Awesome, awesome. Good morning. Good morning, Horizon. It's good to see you guys. And we got some new faces out there. Welcome to Horizon Church. We're glad that you're here. And um, if you didn't know, we've been in a series, and we've been kind of focusing on that moment where the people of God get set free from Egypt, and they're in the wilderness, and they're heading towards the promised land. And we're calling the series Egypt Out of Us. Because it's one thing for God to move in power in the, in the wonders that we call plagues. It's one thing for him to move that powerfully to get them out of Egypt. It's a totally different thing to get Egypt out of them. Because they had been slaves for 400 years, and so they really had become indoctrinated with the things of Egypt. They had become Egyptian. And so we've been looking in this series about how getting the Egypt out of them was the more difficult journey. And, and probably part of the reason why they had a journey in the desert, God needed to sort of cleanse them from all that they had been saturated with in Egypt. And the last few weeks, this is what we've been looking at, order, provision, and worship, and how God had to reframe their thinking about these things. When they were living by the Nile, everything was orderly. The floods always came at the same time. There was always enough water. They could irrigate the crops. But God had to redefine for them what order was because they went out into the desert. They were completely dependent on the Lord. We talked about provision, how he provided his presence and he provided the the quail and the manna and he provided deliverance for them. And provision was was a different kind of thing. In Egypt, you had these capricious gods that you didn't know what they would do. But you could count on Yahweh. He was a faithful God. And finally, last week, we looked at worship and how, you know, all of worship in Egypt was meant to make you feel small, small compared to the gods, small compared to Pharaoh. But God did something totally different. God actually came down, lowered himself to be near to his people and lift them up. And so this week, we look at freedom and how God began to redefine how they understood what it was to be free. And, you know, as Americans, I think this is really important for us because we, we need God to come and redefine for us what real freedom is. Freedom gets talked about a lot in America. It's something we're very proud of, that we're a free nation, but we need God's definition of freedom. So we're going to look at that this morning. See, freedom is a high priority for God. Freedom is a part of God's nature. Did you know that God was completely free? He is a completely free being. There's nothing externally limiting him in any way. In his nature, he is 100% free. There is no other being that's more free than God. Here's the interesting thing. The only limitation that God has is self-limitation. He intentionally limits himself because that's what love does. God is love. And anytime, you guys know who are married, anytime you are engaged, married to someone, engaged in a relationship, a friendship with someone, like there's a bit of self-limitation. That's what love does. It limits yourself for the sake of someone else. And so God in Jesus was the ultimate act of self-limitation, becoming human. But that's the only limitation he has, the self-limitation. He's completely free. And then here's the crazy thing. He created you and me in his image. That means in our DNA is this idea of being completely free because we're like God. We were created in his image. Freedom is one of the greatest gifts that he gave to humanity. Of course, we see in the garden that we have misused it. 
But there had to be two trees in the garden because we're free and we're created in his image. So freedom is a bedrock for God. It's so important to God. And that's the backdrop of this story of him setting his people free. free freedom is a high priority for God. So let's read about it. When God talks to Moses, he said this in Exodus 3. I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I am concerned about their suffering, so I have come down to rescue them. Did you notice that? Rather than making us feel small, what did he do? He said, I'm going to come down to rescue you and lift you up. So I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey. And this is what I want to get at with this passage, that freedom in a fallen world is, always has these two parts. We get freedom from something, and we get freedom into something else. That's the fullness of freedom. They were set free from slavery in Egypt. They were set free from that land, but then they went into dependency on God. They went into the promised land. And it always has these two parts if it's the fullness of freedom. The problem with American definitions of freedom is that we love that first one, but we totally forget about the second one. We love being free from things. I'm free from other people's oppression and other people's you know, opinion and other people kind of like telling me what to do. I want to be free from all that stuff. But then we miss being freed into something else. Israel was freed into dependency on God, into the promised land. And think about it. If they were set free from Egypt, but never freed into anything else, where are they? They're in the desert. You remember, Ryan talked about week one. The Nile was life, and the desert was death. And so anytime we have this idea that we can be set free from something, but we don't actually go into something else, It just leads to death. So much of American definition of freedom really is an invitation to to die. Because if you're just set free from things, but you're not ever set free into anything else, you're going to just wander in the desert. So why did God set the Hebrew people free? And, And this is also why he chooses to set us free from our addictions, from our sin from our own selfishness. Why did God set the Hebrew people free? I think as Americans, we want to say things like, you know, reasons for setting us free are all about us, right? Wow, we deserve to be free, right? It's because of our rights. God has way different priorities for setting his people free. Read about it in Exodus 6. God also said to Moses, I am the Lord. I appeared to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob is God Almighty, but my, by my name, the Lord, I did not make myself fully known to them. I also established my covenant with them to give them the land of Canaan, where they resided as foreigners. Moreover, I have heard the groaning of the Israelites, whom the Egyptians were enslaving, and I have remembered my covenant. What this passage tells us is that the number one reason God set the people free wasn't about the people at all. It was about his covenant. God said, listen, I'm going to set the people free because I kept, I'm going to keep my word. I promised Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob that they would be in a land of their own. I promised them that. And I'm a God who keeps my promises. I'm a God who keeps my word, and I will not go back on my word, and so I'm going to set them free. 
It wasn't just about their nature, but also about his nature. In other words, it wasn't just that God looked at them and said, you know, they're not meant to be slaves. That's about their nature. It's that his own nature was that he's a God who isn't going to break his promise. His priority for setting them free was really about his own nature. This is the kind of God that I am. I'm going to keep my promise. Let's look at some more reasons. I'm going to give you five reasons why he set the Hebrew people free. We continue in Exodus 6. It says, therefore, say to the Israelites, I am the Lord, and I will bring you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. I will free you from being slaves to them, and I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with mighty acts of judgment. I will take you as my own people, and I will be your God. Then you will know that I am the Lord your God who brought you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. And I will bring you to the land I swore with uplifted hand to give to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. I will give it to you as a possession. I am the Lord. Talk about God coming low to lift us up. This imagery here of God himself holding up his right hand. You know, it's like what people do when they go up to the witness stand, right? And the judge is like in authority, and, and the, the, the person going to the witness stand is kind of nervous, and they're like, yeah, 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 I promise I'll tell the truth, I'll tell the truth. God came down and said, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to hold up my right hand. And to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, listen to me. I promise you, I promise you, I promise you, I will give you this land. That's amazing. So we look at reasons number two, three, and four here as to why he decided to set the Hebrew people free. Number two is so that they will become his people. He says, I want you as my possession. You're now Egypt's possession, but I want you to be my people. You're their people. You're their slaves. You're Pharaoh's people, but I want you to be my people. You're going to be my people. That's a little different, right? We don't hear, we don't hear anything in here about, oh, they had a right to be free. Nothing. This is still about God. This is still about him and what he wants. Number three, so that they will come to know him as the true God. See, they were worshiping these other gods of Egypt, and God said, I want them to know really what I'm like. I revealed a little bit of myself to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, but now I'm going to really reveal myself through the law, through these encounters. I'm going to come as a pillar of fire and a pillar of cloud. I'm going to come down on the mountain. I'm going to meet with Moses face to face. These people are really going to know what I'm like. They're going to know what I am like, and I want them to know me. And the only way I can do that is to set them free. Number four, to bring them into the land that was promised. We call it the promised land. I want to bring them into that land because I, I swore with uplifted hand I would give them that land and so I'm going to do it. And they, I can't do it if they're still slaves. If I were to summarize each of these with just one word, here's what I would say. Why did God set them free? Identity. He wanted the people to have a new identity. And this is true for us too. When he sets us free from sin, he goes, you're not gonna identify yourself as an Egyptian anymore. You're not gonna identify yourself as a slave anymore. I'm gonna give you a brand new identity and it's gonna be that you are mine. For the third one, it's intimacy. I'm gonna come so near to you. I'm gonna come so close to you and, and you're gonna get to know me in this incredible way. You're gonna have this intimacy with me. And the last one I would call Responsibility. I'm going to give you this possession, 
And now, instead of working someone else's land in Egypt, you're going to have to work your own land, which means you're going to have to take responsibility. And not only that, even though I'm giving you this land, you're going to have to fight your way through it. You don't just get to sit back and and have the land handed to you. Now, I'm going to be with you, and I'm going to help you win every single battle, but listen, you're going to have to take responsibility. Do you know that that's what God does when he gives us a promise? That sometimes we got to go fight for it? And then we got to cultivate the land. Then we got to be a good steward of the land. It's about responsibility. It's not just sitting back and saying, oh, God's my provider. I'm going to hang out on my couch and, you know, play Fortnite. He says, no, you're going to pick up your sword. And I'm going to be with you, but you're going to go take the land. And then you're going to have to cultivate the land. Next week, we're going to talk about work. But it's, we don't get free from work. Do you see the difference? Americans are like, yeah, I want to be free from work. No, 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 no. It's you're free from having to work his land for Pharaoh. Now you get to work your own land, and it's yours. If you don't work Pharaoh's land, then you get beaten. If you don't work your land, you don't get beaten. But you don't eat. Do you see what I'm saying? We don't get free from work. It's who we're working for. It's the fruit of our work that changes. It's not... Work that changes. But we can have joy in our work, right? We'll talk about that next week. Last one, number five. Exodus seven sixteen. The Lord talks to Moses, says, here's what I want you to tell Pharaoh. Then say to him, the Lord, the God of the Hebrews, he has sent me to say to you, let my people go, and here's why, so that they may worship me in the wilderness, but until now you have not listened. So that's reason number five. Why does he want them to be set free? So the people can worship God freely in the wilderness. They're not free from worship. They're free to not worship these capricious gods and worship Pharaoh. Now they're free to worship the one true God, the ultimate God, the God that brings freedom. That's what real freedom is. It's not the freedom not to worship. See, you're always going to be worshiping somebody. And if you think you're not worshiping anybody, you're worshiping yourself. We were born to worship. This is who you're going to decide to worship. And let me just break it to you. You are not worthy of that worship. You will let yourself down as a God. Worship the one true God. So what I'm trying to get at here is our freedom is not just about us. Listen, when Jesus came to pay the price to set you free from sin, it wasn't primarily about you. Your freedom is not just about you. It's more about what God wants to do than about what we want. We think freedom is about what we want, what we want to do with our life, what what we want to get with our life. But Jesus paid a high price so that we could be free, but it's about what he wants. Let's look at this list again. It's about his nature It's about having our identity grounded and rooted in him. It's about an intimacy with him. We're set free from sin so we can approach the throne of grace with confidence and be near to God because he wants to be near to us. It's about responsibility to him. He provides, he gives us these promises, but we have to be a good steward of them. We have to take responsibility for them. And of course, it's about worship. But our freedom is about him. Primarily, it's about him. Now, a big part of Jesus' ministry when he came, no surprise, is to bring freedom. 
He walked into the synagogue, he unrolled the scroll of Isaiah, and he went straight to Isaiah 61 that says this, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners. No surprise, a big part of his ministry is about freedom because that's the very nature of God. Jesus came and set people free from sin. He set them free from disease and illness and sickness. He set them free from the demonic. He was constantly giving out freedom everywhere he went. And notice this. He came to set the captives free and the prisoners free. Do you know why you go to prison? It's because you committed a crime. In other words, if you're in prison, it's probably because something you did. You brought it on yourself. You're behind these bars because you made some really bad decisions. But when you're a captive... It's not because anything you did. These invading armies came in and captured you against your will. But you're still in the same position. You're still in chains, whether you're behind prison doors or whether you're taken into captivity. Either way, you're not free. And when Jesus said, I came to set the captives free, what he's saying is, listen, if you suffered at the hands of other people, if you were abused, if you were neglected, if you were forgotten, if other people treated you poorly and you find yourself shackled in chains, I have come to set you free, daughter, son, you're a captive, but I came to break the chains. And even better news, listen, if it's your fault, I don't care. I don't care. I break prison walls. I, I bust through prison doors. I send angels to let my disciples out of prison. So it's your fault that you're in prison. I've paid for your sin. I've come to break out the prisoner and set them free too. This is Jesus' ministry. And your freedom is Jesus' reward for the high price that he paid you know, when we're praying for people, I've had people tell me, you know, Mark, I just don't feel like I deserve to be set free from this. And we're praying for their freedom and they, their sense of self-worth. They feel like, man, I just, I, I'm so messed up. I, this is all my fault and I, I got myself into this and I just, I, I, don't, I don't even deserve to be free. And what I tell them is, listen, your freedom is not about you. It's not about you being worthy enough or unworthy enough. It's Jesus' reward for the high price that he paid for your freedom. Listen, when you get free, it's a reward for Jesus and what he paid on the cross for you. See, he paid for your freedom when he died on the cross and rose from the grave. He paid a high price for your freedom, and when you get free, it's his reward. So stop being concerned about whether you're worthy. None of us are worthy. None of us are worthy, but he rescues us anyway. It's his reward. So listen, fight and claw and scratch and fight some more for your freedom because you know who gets the reward when you get free? Jesus. So whatever it takes for you to get free, go after it because it's his reward. Your freedom, remember, is not primarily about you. It's about him. Galatians 5, 1 and 13 says, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. 
Notice that. You weren't set free from sin so you can do whatever you want. You were set free by Christ so that you can serve other people, that you can love other people. So not only is your freedom not about you in the sense that it's about God, but your freedom isn't even about you because it's about that person next to you that you're supposed to serve. And the best way you can serve and love them is to be totally free when you do it. Because if you're not bound up by guilt and shame, if you're not bound up by self-condemnation, man, you, you, suddenly serving people isn't so difficult. You love to serve people because you walk in freedom. Romans 6 says it this way, don't you know that when you offer yourselves to someone as an obedient slaves, you are slaves to the one you obey, whether you are slaves to sin, which leads to death, or to obedience, which leads to righteousness. But thanks be to God that though you used to be slaves to sin, though you used to live in Egypt, you have come to obey from your heart the pattern of teaching that has now claimed your allegiance. You have been set free from sin and have become slaves to righteousness. You have been set free from being Pharaoh's slave, and now you are a slave to God. And only when you become a slave to righteousness and a slave to God do you experience freedom. And this is where America's got it all wrong. Well, I'm not going to be a slave to anybody. Wrong. You're a slave to yourself then. Only when we surrender to the Lord do we experience true freedom. 1 Peter 2.16 says, live as free people, but do not use your freedom as a cover-up for evil. Live as God's slaves. He's the one that offers freedom. So we're freed from slavery to sin into slavery to righteousness. We're freed from the law and into submission to the Spirit. You're right. We don't have to follow the external law anymore, but there's a law written on our hearts now. The Holy Spirit is in there guiding and directing us, and that's how we navigate through life. We don't have to follow the external regulations anymore, but there's an internal regulation that starts in here through the Holy Spirit. He's the one we surrender to. We're set free from selfish indulgence, but we're set free to serve others and not just ourselves. We're set free from obligation and set free into responsibility. What, what do I mean by this? I mean, have you ever felt that burden of obligation where you're like, oh, I have to? You ever felt that way? It doesn't matter what it is. Oh, I have to. It starts with have to. I just have to. Da, 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 da. Guys, we're set free from have to, but you know what replaces it? Get to. That's responsibility. Oh, I have to go serve that person. No, you get to go serve that person. Oh, I have to do this. No, you get to. You're set free from the have to. And you're set into the responsibility of getting to be the hands and feet of Jesus in the world. We're set free from unrest, but we have to step into peace. We have to choose it. We have to pursue it. We have to go after it. And real freedom can be scary. This is what the Israelites ran into when they got right up to the promised land. I mean, this is what God was giving them, this land. You remember they grumbled in the desert. Beth talked about it a few weeks ago. They grumbled. They were afraid. They wanted to go back to Egypt. Guys, it wasn't the only time they wanted to go back to Egypt. This is the second time they wanted to go back to Egypt. They get right up to the promised land, and some spies come back with a bad report. There's giants in the land. It says in Numbers 14, that night all the members of the community raised their voices and wept aloud. All the Israelites grumbled against Moses and Aaron, and the whole assembly said to them, if only we had died in Egypt. Then they add this one, or in the wilderness. 
right? Before it was just, oh, we should have died in Egypt. Now they're like, let's throw in the wilderness one, right? Why is the Lord bringing us to this land only to let us fall by the sword? Our wives and children will be taken as plunder. Wouldn't it be better for us to go back to Egypt? And they said to each other, we should choose a leader and go back to Egypt. Isn't that what people do? They, they have secret meetings and they're like, well, let's get a different leader and get back to Egypt. When we're scared, that's what we do. When we're scared of freedom. When we're scared of the responsibility that freedom will ask of us, right? The responsibility that comes with real freedom can feel overwhelming if all you've ever known is slavery. In that part of your life that has been enslaved, if all you've known is slavery, then listen, freedom can be really terrifying because it will ask you to take responsibility. Beth brought this truth up. We, we learned this in, in starting Araminta and which is a nonprofit that fights against human trafficking in the area, we learned that trafficked women return to their traffickers five to six times. You know, we, these organizations work hard to help that young woman get free, but sometimes she'll just go right back many times, five or six times before she's ultimately set free. There's a lot of reasons for that. Sometimes it's drug addiction. Sometimes it's trauma bonding where we get emotionally bonded to the person who abuses us. Sometimes it's identity issues. Sometimes it's issues building community. It's the only family she's ever known. And she needs a new family, but she gets out and doesn't find a new family, so she goes back to her other family. But this is true of us, guys. It's not just true of trafficked women. This is true of us and sin. We'll go back to it, just like Egypt. When they wanted to go back to Egypt. We, we, we find a security in it sometimes. Slavery to sin or anything else has a certain security to it. We know it. It's comfortable. So we go back to it time and time again. And, and I got to be honest, if I could just be transparent this morning, I spent a decade where this was the theme verse of my life. Proverbs 26, 11, as a dog returns to its vomit, so fools repeat their folly. I just read through it and be like, yeah, that's my life. I mean, anybody, anybody else experience that? It's horrible. It's a horrible feeling to feel like you're the dog that goes back to the same vomit over and over and over again. It's frustrating. And you know Jesus paid a high price for your freedom, yet you still go back and to that same thing. You know, it's what Israel was struggling with, going back to Egypt. Here's the deal. People don't just need to be set free. Whether it's sin, poverty, trafficking, addiction, we also need to learn how to walk in freedom maintain freedom and steward the gift of freedom. It's not just about getting out of Egypt. It's about getting Egypt out of us. It's walking in freedom, which is a totally different thing than just getting free. We pray for people. We see people get free. We also see people go back to the same thing we just prayed for. It's about walking in the freedom that Jesus paid for you, sustaining it day by day by day. That's the Christian life. This is why one-third of lottery winners will end up declaring bankruptcy. They were set free financially, but they never learned how to walk in financial freedom. They never learned how to walk in it, right? So just throwing money at poverty doesn't solve the issue. Because if you're still poor in here, if Egypt is still in here, then you won't be able to walk out that financial freedom. It's got to be in here. And this points us to the fact that there's layers of freedom. And I really want you guys to get this because I want you to take the next step in whatever freedom looks like for you in your life. 
Of course, there's the external freedom. This is getting out of Egypt. This is the freedom from something. It's the freedom to make choices, act autonomously, and think independently. You're not being oppressed by other people, forcing you to think a certain way, manipulating you, controlling you. You're your own person, and you are free from whatever that thing is. That external freedom is important, but it's only step one. And so often in the American culture, this is where we stop. We think this is freedom. But here, let, me, let me give you a picture of what Jesus actually offered us. He offered us more layers of freedom. Inner freedom is when Egypt gets out of us. It's when we're freed into something. And the first layer of that inner freedom is freedom of the mind. It's freedom to think correctly. It's not just enough to think independently. It's not just enough to have your own thoughts. It's lining our thoughts up with the truth. That is where real freedom comes from. When we have the mind of Christ and we line our thoughts up with God's thoughts and we think about things the way he thinks about things and we see things the way he sees things, that's what brings us freedom. We begin to learn right from wrong. We begin to learn what to do and not to do. This is where the freedom begins for us and I would call it the renewed mind. It's when God gets a hold of our thoughts and changes the way we start thinking. But it's one thing to know the right thing to do. It's another thing to do the right thing. I mean, how many of you have been in that place where you're like, yeah, I know the right thing to do. I just, man, I struggle to do it. That's the next layer of freedom. It's called freedom of the will. And this is freedom to make the right choice, freedom to do the right thing. And this comes from a surrendered will. This is when we go to God and we say, not my will, but your will be done. And we do it over and over and over again to the point where we actually are able to do the right thing. It's not just that we know the right thing to do, but we can actually do it. And if I'm honest, I used to think this is all the freedom that Jesus paid for. I spent years thinking that this was the Christian life, that, that you'd know the right thing to do, and then you'd like flex your muscle as hard as you could to do the right thing. And sometimes you'd do the right thing, and sometimes you wouldn't do the right thing, and you would just got to try harder next time. What I'm here to tell you is that Jesus paid for so much more, and there's so much more freedom available to us. And this next layer is the layer I was missing in my life, and it's the freedom of desires. It's the freedom to want to do the right thing. And in the Bible, this is what they're talking about when they say having a circumcised heart or a transformed heart. It's not just that I know what the right thing is to do, and it's not just that sometimes I'm able to flex my muscles and do the right thing. It's actually that I get up in the morning and the thing that I want the most, not faking, not pretending, but actually the thing I want the most is the thing God wants. At the core of my desire. And those other things that are, you know, sin and off and distractions, like I don't want, they've lost all appeal to me, right? That's what it is to have freedom of desires, is that you look at sin and you, it's not tempting anymore. You almost have a sense of like compassion, like, oh man, look at the brokenness, like God can heal that. You're not, you're not tempted to draw into it. Your response is very different. You don't want it a part of your life anymore. The thing you want most is the thing God wants for you. That's real freedom. That's what Jesus paid for. Freedom of your desires. Where you're not flexing a muscle to do the right thing. It's what you want to do most. Time and time and time again. This is the fullness of freedom. 
a circumcised heart, a surrendered will, a renewed mind. This is what Jesus paid for. This is what he offers you this morning, real freedom at the deepest level. And here's the deal, guys. 2 Corinthians 3.17 says, Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. So what this means is we need to invite the Holy Spirit to invade those places where we feel like there's shackles or chains, where we feel oppressed by something, we feel like we can't do the right thing even though we know the right thing. We invite the Holy Spirit because where he is, he brings freedom with him. We invite him to come and take over that area of our life. So we can experience the fullness of freedom. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. So a couple questions as the worship team comes back up here. What is the Holy Spirit trying to free you from? Maybe there's some stuff in your life, some contaminants in your life, and he's just saying, man, I want you out of there. I want to set you free from that stuff. Maybe that's what you need to surrender to the Lord this morning. Maybe for other people, it's this question. What freedom is the Holy Spirit inviting you into? So it's not so much getting free from something, but it's more getting freed into something. He's inviting you into a new level, a new place of freedom that you've never experienced before. What's the next layer of freedom for you? Do you have freedom of the mind? Great. Go for freedom of the will. Do you have freedom of the will? Great. Go for freedom in your desires. Pursue that next layer of freedom. Remember, it's not so much about you anyway. It's his reward. When you get free, it's his reward. Finally, what might it look like for you to walk in freedom? Not just get free, not just momentary freedom, but actually daily walk it out in that part of your life. This morning is a a prayer Sunday, and I'm, I'm so glad that it is. Because some of you, meant you need some people to pray for you to get free in that part of your life. You need some chains to be broken in that part of your life. And if that's you, we invite you in this last song to go down the hallway and into the sanctuary where our prayer team will be waiting to pray for you. If I could just have everyone stand up right now, we're going to pray. <clears throat> All right, let's bow our head and close our eyes. Let's just invite the Holy Spirit to come and set us free. Holy Spirit, come. We invite you into the places where we've been imprisoned. We invite you into the places where we've been held captive. Where we've been held captive by envy and jealousy. We've been held captive by loneliness. We've been held captive by despair and unforgiveness. We need freedom. Freedom from our sin, freedom from our addictions. We want freedom at the deepest level. We don't want to just do the right thing. We want to want to do the right thing. We want our desires to align with what you want, God, at the deepest part of our heart, God. If there's wounds there keeping that from happening, God, I pray that you would come and heal our hearts and set us free. In Jesus' name, I just break the chains that have been hanging on these people. In Jesus' name, I break the chains right now on all of us right now. Chains be broken now in Jesus' name. The weight of that bondage, 
just break off of you now in Jesus' name. Holy Spirit, would you release freedom into this place? Jesus. We declare that this is your reward for the high price that you paid. We want to be free, God, because it is your reward for the high price that you paid for us. invite you to come now. We open our lives up and we say, come Holy Spirit, invade the places where we've been in bondage. Invade the places where we've been a prisoner. We invite your freedom to come in Jesus' name. Amen.